Hello. Hi. How are you? Phenomenal, Dina. How are you doing today? I am good. I'm good. I'm uh, wondering about how to shrink this weird looking background so everybody can see our face. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I don't I don't think. Uh, yeah, it looks fine to me. Yeah, it looks good. Yeah. Yeah, it might just be your screen, Dina. Literally. Okay, maybe it's my screen. All right. Well, I'm so glad to yes. see you. How's Happy Texas? It's great. I've been here uh, for a few days already. I was at uh, Vids, Vid Summit, which is a YouTube creator summit. And uh, you get to hang out with some of the biggest creators in the space of, uh, of YouTube. And got to see Mr. Beast and, uh, you know, hear all about how he's been growing his channel and a uh, pretty interesting cat. Um, but I got to collab with a lot of great folks and I'm just really thrilled that I had the opportunity to do that. Now I'm at a meditation retreat in also in Dallas. And so I went from, from um, a convention to now a retreat where I'm just going to kind of uh, disappear inside myself for a little while. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Well, I'm super glad to go live with you for the first yes. time. We're not together on this and we have a special guest today. Yes, I'm excited. Uh, why don't you do the honors and introduce Rick? Yeah, everybody. absolutely. So today, guys, you're in for a real treat. We have Rick with stock with IPX 1031 Exchange. He's a qualified intermediary and a total rock star in the industry. If any of you guys have done a 1031, you definitely know he is a familiar guy in the space. He's been in the business about 25 years. Um, and you guys have one thing in common. What is that? So he, he went to school in Canada. Oh, really? Where'd you go to school, Rick? Uh, Dalhousie University. I'm, I'm Canadian. Well, I also am Canadian. Yeah, we do have that in common. I'm, awesome. a, I'm, a, I'm a dual citizen. I grew up in Calgary, Alberta. I went to the University of Calgary. Right um, I, I wasn't smart enough to get into Dalhousie. I know that's wow. a very, very good school. Um, yeah. But uh, that, what did you take in, in, in university? Uh, business management. Bu business management. So um, do you find that you use a lot of what you learned in college here in, in, in your world? Uh, you know, some of it, it's, it's, um, it's been, it's been a while since I've been in college. I don't want to date myself too much, but it's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's an interesting question because I get, you know, a lot of people that watch us are, you know, the age range is all over the place, especially when I'm on TikTok. So I got a, like all these little kids that follow me and they ask the question, you know, what do I do, um, in college days? Do I, should I go, you know? And, and it was funny cause I was in Penn state. I was lecturing in Penn state about real estate. And oddly enough, you know, I'm like sitting there, I'm like, wow, I can't believe I'm like professor for the day. But I talked to I talked to somebody in the admissions department and the student um, like student relations, uh, basically like a counselor there, an admissions counselor. And um, they had told me that nine out of 10 students that enroll in college do absolutely nothing in with their with that's in line with their degree for their future. Right for their careers. Nine out of what? 10. That's Nine, crazy. If I, if, if my coaching program had a one out of 10, uh, follow through rate, they would put me in jail. <laughs> it wouldn't be very successful. One out it of would 10. not be successful. So it's just an interesting, it's interesting how that this, the world of university and college has really played out. But, um, Rick, I'm really excited to talk to you because I, I, I think 1031 exchanges are really fascinating. The, 
one of the main things that I think are, is really important for people to understand is, uh, well, first, I want to ask everybody in the chat if you if you have ever done a 1031 exchange, okay, um, put a Y in the chat. I just want to know how many people have done a 1031 exchange. And if you if you don't even know what a 1031 exchange is, put an X in the chat. So put a Y in the chat if you've done a 1031 exchange. Put an X in the chat if you have no flipping idea what we're talking about. I, I just want to get an understanding of, of yeah. how of how we're um, so we got a lot of we got an X's 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 no idea Woo! wow well this is gonna be fun what is he, what is yeah. he, is it? you're gonna learn today absolutely this is exciting so Rick start us off because we've got yeah. folks in here who are. Um, itching to learn about a 1031 exchange. Right. What is a 1031 exchange? Why do people 1031 exchange? What are the benefits? What are the drawbacks? Educate us, my friend. Yeah, I got you. Um, so 1031 exchange is, and I'm not surprised to see all those X's. That's and a lot of X's. That, that, that's <laughs> a lot. I mean, that's, I do nothing but educate on 1031 exchange. Um, and it's, it, it's a repeat. It's just like, I keep saying the same thing over and over and over. And even veteran real estate agents and investors, are not utilizing this benefit. It's huge when it comes to investors because you earned that equity in that property. You dealt with those tenants for however long it was. And now you got this nice little escrow check that might be coming to you. And if you don't do a 1031 exchange, where does almost half of that go? Uncle Sam. So yeah. we don't want to go Uncle Sam because we see where they do with the money. It's, it goes into a big pot and whatever happens to it from there. I'm not sure, but um, yeah. So 1031 exchange. I'm sorry. I didn't say yeah. that. You I, <laughs> So it's a very valuable tool. So when you're looking at selling your properties, um, your investment properties, and you want to keep growing that uh, portfolio, it's as simple as contacting me, set up an exchange, find another property of like kind. And that's, we're going to cover that. I'm sure. Cause like kind is the thing that, uh, is the most confusing when it comes to 1031. And uh, as long as you want to buy more real estate, build up that net worth, uh, 1031 is the vehicle to get you there. Amazing. So so it's a, a way to defer the capital gain, right? Absolutely. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't take away the capital gain. You're kicking the can down the road, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, you're kicking the can down the road until you drop, basically. Um, <laughs> so that's a little slogan we always say is that you can you can 1031 exchange as long as you want. Um, and there's a little exit other than dropping, which is not so pleasant for the investor. Um, and uh, that's what they call the stepped up basis. So there's a couple ways to exit. You can go and do 1031 exchange, buy and build up that real estate portfolio. And then your heirs get all the money. Great, right? Mm -hmm. For the investor. Yep. Uh, yeah, that, that's one thing. But the other option is that you can convert your property into what they call your dream home. The IRS came up with this in 2008, says that you can take your investments, do an exchange. The only caveat to that is you got to hold on to that property for two years as an investment. And then guess what? On the third year, it's your primary residence. Start claiming it. And then down the road, you fall into that primary residence exemption which is free money, right? 500,000 if you're married, 250 if you're single. So that just changes the category from one going into the other. Wow, I, I, I had, 
that question on the top of my mind because yeah. I, is it so is that the only time you can um do a 1031 on a personal like for instance say for for me right i'm yeah. i i have a, a personal residence it's paid off i want to say i want to sell it and move into um a, a house that let, i'm going to give you the real numbers my house is yeah. worth about two and a half right um, i want to i want to move into a five million dollar house right yeah um can that can I do that in a 1031 exchange? Can I not do that in a 10? Is it not applicable because it's my primary? It's not applicable to the primary residence. You got that. They, they've got a whole other category for primary residence, and that's the 255 hundred thousand. It's the 121 guy, which nobody knows that guy, but he's out there um, and he'll handle that one for you. But yeah, for primary residence, he went 2.5. It really depends on what your basis is or what you bought that 2.5 for. Um, so if you bought it for two mil, then you're 500,000, you're married, filing jointly, you're tax free on that. Now, if you go a little, if you're, you bought it for 1.5, now you get a million dollars worth of capital gains, you're going to get the exemption for five. Now I don't deter people calling me on the primary residence because there's mixed use exchanges or mixed use sale. I had a client call me up a month ago here and locally in Arizona at similar to your numbers, but um, he made $800,000 on it. So he was his primary residence made 800 grand. And that means he has to pay on 300,000, you know, rough numbers. That's like 60, 70,000 uncle Sam. Right. So what, what he did with the conversation was like, Oh, you know, I can't really help you, but tell me about your property. He rented out the property, um, not to renters. He rented it out to the four-legged kind of renters. <gasps> fur babies. Yeah. Well, bigger than fur babies. Like They're horses? The be, yeah. He had a horse, <laughs> he had a horse stables that he rented out on a property and a corral. So oh. playing with the numbers that 300,000 now was investment part of his property. He was able to do a 1031 exchange on the, oh, there's the fur baby. <laughs> oh, cute. Like speaking horse. of fur babies. Yeah. Love Frenchies. <laughs> Coco, you're so he was able to dual um, exercise two parts of the tax code and the uh, boy paying capital gains tax. So Amazing. yeah, I always talk to the experts because it, it, it in that case it saved them like 60, 70 grand in capital gains tax. So let's let's break it down a little bit for everybody sure. because yeah. I think that there's for, here's the here's the cool thing about my audience. I have trained thousands of people across the country to be able to go out and find deeply discounted properties that have an opportunity to force appreciation. Right. Um, right. So I, I, I wholesale deals are my bread and butter and everybody awesome. who's watching this right now, they're either learning how to wholesale have properties available right now that they're, that they're actively marketing. Right. So how does one get their property in front of a 1031 buyer? Because I would imagine that that person, is pretty dang ready to pull the trigger on a on a deal and how quickly can that transaction fund or close can we fit a wholesale can we fit a, a 1031 in with a wholesale transaction with and have it be seamless without there being some janky uh, um you know uh time timeline differences or uh, there there's some janky timelines when it comes to 1031 because you got to remember who wrote the tax code right so there's a little janky <laughs> there, but uh, they don't there, make it easy. There's no like easy button. There, there is because the easy button is calling me, or and I can help you with that. Now I'm a national company, so I do have access to a lot of investors when they're looking to buy replacement properties. 
And I'll give you the timeline. The timeline sounds really skinny when they want to do a 1031 exchange because you've got 45 days. They call that the identification period. That hits off at the close of escrow of the investment property. So 45 days, you know, you, you could spend that on a cruise ship. You may not have enough time to find your replacement property, right? Right. right. So well, I've, I've been in situations where there's people yeah. like, I just need something. I need something right yeah. now. Give me something. And so, yeah. that, you know, those are the opportunities, right? And so right. do you have or have you ever presented your clients opportunities? Yeah, we, we as much anytime I have opportunities to present, I do because I want my clients to be successful in their exchange. So oh. having that avenue there is key because did I just uncover a national home buyer with people with the, <laughs> with capital ready to deploy that need to deploy it in a matter of weeks or days? Because never or days. Yeah, yeah. So that's that is an option, absolutely. Um, so that's something that we can put together. I'm excited so, about that part of it. Let me ask you this. Do you, are you allowed to make money on that deal? I make my fee and my money on the deal. So that's, I do about just out of my office, but I'm national just here in uh, West coast. I do about 500 exchanges a month. So Holy crap. So that, yeah, we don't bring the small fish on title talk people. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> Ari, would you be allowed to, for instance, have a marketing fee? Could I pay you a marketing fee for attack for attaching me to one of your buyers? Uh, you, you know, I work for a big corporation, so you know, um, maybe we talk about that offline, but no, we we make enough money off the um, off our fee and so yeah, on, okay. and volumes um, are our game. I am, I am extremely happy that you are on this episode today. I'm, I'm pe the people who didn't show up today are missing out big time. So, big time, tell me about the kind of properties that you are typically dealing with with your customer base. Uh, you know, that, that's where we go back to that like kind thing. So like kind is uh, the guy that owns a lot um, in Minnesota. Uh, he bought it, never did any with it or owns a farm. I deal with those guys. I deal with the single family investor that bought an Airbnb. That Airbnb is not doing so hot right now. They want to get out of that to go into a uh, 12 month rental property or they want to get into uh, multifamily commercial. So I, I deal with anything from like a $50,000 lot all the way up to a $100 million commercial property. And so does the $50,000 lot seller have to identify another piece of vacant land? No. It's just no. got to be, what's, what is like, what, what would you qualify as a like property to a $50,000 piece of dirt? Anything that's real property. So dirt can go into a commercial property, can go into a residential property, or back into dirt. All of those count as a real property. That's the part right. of the right. matter. Does price that's point matter? Can you go the price? The price point matters. So if it was like, we'll build it up from 50, say it's a $500,000 single family property. They have to go off and find new property or properties of 500,000 or greater, but they get the minus commissions and closing costs. It's a net sales price that you carry. So on a 500,000, we'll say commissions, closing costs, you're going to net sales price 480. So they would have to buy 480 if they just want to buy one, but if they want to buy two, they can buy two properties at it up to 480. If they're a little shy and they come in at uh, 450, that's okay. You're just gonna have to pay a little bit of money to Uncle Sam. But Does intent matter, people, Rick? What's that? Intent. Intent went, yeah, big thing with IRS is that's their whole deal is what is their initial intent when they're investing in properties. 
So 1031 exchange is capital gains, long-term capital gains tax deferment. There's ordinary capital gains tax or short-term capital gains tax. And that's basically rule of thumb, not written anywhere, but a basic rule of thumb is you have to own it for at least one year, one day. Anything less than that falls into ordinary income. But here's another caviar, a little, little nugget is that if you bought a property and your intent is that you want to Airbnb it and hey, it's not working out six months later, HOA, whatever the case is, if your intent was to do this six months later, you get what they call an unsolicited offer, or you can show that the your intent was not working, you can get out of that early. So you can exchange out of that property six months into it instead of whoa, waiting. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Say that yeah. again in case people weren't listening. No, that, that's the nugget. It's basically that if you bought a property and your intent was to hold this Airbnb forever and six months in, it's not cutting out for whatever reason. HOA doesn't want Airbnbs. They change the rules or you're just not cash flowing. And then you get what they call an unsolicited offer. Unsolicited offer is what is an unsolicited offer? As long as it's not marketed on the MLS or any national social media. So, so Rick, could you send a property to somebody in your world something and consider it unsolicited? Yes, you know, we're on a national page right now. So, you know, there's some gray areas. Again, it comes down to what your intent is on the property, and if it doesn't work out you can get out of it early. I'll, I'll give you a quick example. I had a couple brothers out of California. They, they made very well on their, I don't know what this property is, but it was like a $2 million property. They sold out of Fresno and they want to do an exchange out of this rental property. And they moved their uh, asset with the exchange into a local uh, Airbnb that was up in Fountain Hills. So they bought that one with the exchange for 2 million bucks, very busy, active uh, Airbnb. just about a year ago. Um, they literally had only seen one property once before they closed on it. So they went out to go look at it. It was occupied by a regular tenant and that regular tenants like, I didn't know this property was for sale. I would have put an offer in on it. And guess what? She asked the brothers, what did they buy it for? And they say, Oh, we bought it for $2 million, but we're in an exchange. And they're like, well, what if I gave you 2.3 right now cash? They called me back and said, can I do it? I said, let's run it by your tax advisor. Yes unsolicited offer they've only owned it less than two months and they made 300 grand on the property and able to do another 1031 exchange wow yeah so there, there's the holding period is a year normally the holding period the is holding a year. period it's normally a year buy and hold uh for one year and basically what the irs wants to have is that they have a record of this was an investment property that you claimed it on your taxes at least one year on your taxes so when you go do an exchange, you're not like, well, hey, I don't even know about this property. They want to at least know that it was an investment property. So one year mark, there's gray on that too. It's interpretation by their tax advisor. So if you sold, you bought in November of this year and you sold in March of next year, you know, that could be considered a year depending on the tax advisor. Because you're going from 23 to 24. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly, my mind is blown right now because I'm, I can see so many opportunities to monetize, um, you know, it really to be able to flip in 1031, right? Because Absolutely. again, intent, intent matters, but okay. Um, could I, could I fix and flip 1031 to 1031? Could I, could I fix a house up, uh, force appreciation, sell it, 
in a 1031, identify another potential flip, hold it, fix it, force appreciation, sell it, flip into the next. I could do that. Yeah. It, it, again, it goes back to intent and time that you hold it. But a lot of my fix and flippers, you know, depending on what time they buy it in the year, if it's like the last two quarters of the year, that might trick you into the next year. And then that would qualify for the one year. So what? So it doesn't yeah. even have to be the year. It just has to be the next the calendar tax, year. The, yeah. The, it's got a, he said you got to claim it on your taxes. Right? Well, so. you got to have it at least one year in your taxes. So if you bought, say, in October and this is in it's still subject to their tax advisor. That's my disclaimer. But they file their taxes 2023 come April. They sell that property in 2024. There's already a one year on their tax returns. Because here's the other nugget. The minimum amount of time that you have to rent a property out or hold it as an investment is 14 days a year. That's written right in the tax code. Yeah, 14 days a year. For so, it to qualify as an investment property. Well, so, yeah, that's the, as a rental um, investment property could be just a raw piece of dirt, uh, but to qualify as a producing uh, rental property, 14 days a year. So snowbirds, winter people that uh, do their properties, they they don't rent it out when they're not there. They're they're missing out. Uh, I get that all the time. They're like, oh, I should. All I had to do is rent it out for 14 days when I wasn't using it. And then I could qualify. It's as simple as that. And that, that's that's the missed thing about this tax code to 1031 exchange it's just people look at it they google it they get all this misinformation and then the attorneys and cpas write it out to make it look really confusing but to dumb it up it's basically they got one property you want to buy more properties this is the vehicle to get there without paying capital gains tax i would love um rick i think everybody in the chat by the way is totally blind like blindsided they're like oh my gosh what (laughs) what is going on this is amazing um so guys if you're getting value from this please like and share with your friends so they can be part of this conversation as well um and let's uh let's answer galen's question too you know he's asking for a little bit of clarification on so galen asked dina and and Rick, can you clarify if I have a rental that I've owned for more than two years and I gained a hundred thousand in equity, how do I convert that into my forever home and not pay capital gains? Perfect. That's, that's almost exactly my example. So you've owned it for more than two years. You're way into that. It's capital gains tax deferment. Um, so you just have to sell that property, do an a 1031 exchange, buy another property of the same value or greater, and then you have to hold it. Actually, that property you have there, if you had it for two years, you don't even have to sell it, unfortunately. You can just turn that into your, your uh, primary residence now because the minimum that you have to rent it to be converted is two years. But if you want to get something a little all nicer. Is, all you need to do is move in. Yeah, that's it. Start claiming on your taxes. Now this is your primary. And I'm, then. I'm like completely shocked, honestly. Like this is blown. I didn't, I had no idea. So, you know, I've been on this, this, a kick about trying to figure out how to mitigate tax. I, every year I have a lot of earned income in my wholesaling right. business. And so this year I had a $900,000 tax bill. That's that hard to yeah, it's, it's hard really to write hard. a check like that. You know what I mean? It's like, and I'm Indian, so it's even harder for me. <laughs> it dries up halfway through, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's like it, too I, many you know, zeros. It, it is too many zeros. And so, 
um, you know, I'm always looking for ways to be able to mitigate my tax and, you know, buying and selling houses is something that I do a lot. And I've never used a 1031 exchange. Now, here's the reason why I've never used a 1031 exchange. And this is going to probably make you laugh. And I know that you're going to say, oh, my God, I can't believe that you would you would even think that. But I watched an episode of American Greed. And ah. there was a there was a man on that on that show, was. Who was a qualified intermediary who basically ran a, he ran a Ponzi scheme through his 1031 trust yeah. account. And it was this incredible like, uh, oh, it was just so much. And so how secure is the money in your account? Well, that that episode that you watched, I talk about that all the time. My classes I teach because guy's name is Ed Oakham. And, yeah. he, did, yep. and he, uh, he had no end game. He was just blowing exchangers money. So our industry is unregulated um, and mainly because there's not enough. My official title is a qualified intermediary or accommodator. So in the whole country, there's probably less than 200 of us. So we went to the regulating authorities. Hey, let's get regulated like everybody else that handles money. And they're like, well, we can't support paying somebody in every state to manage only 200 people. They just can't collect enough fees from us. So we're on the honor system. We have to self-regulate ourselves. So good thing is uh, IPX, the company that I work for and manage, is a Fortune 300 company, uh, Fidelity National Finance. So Yeah, so we... You know, Fidelity owns them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. so there's no way. That if, 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 even if you had a bad actor, Fidelity would just write the check and get it done. Well, uh, you, we got a $100 million Fidelity bond on every one of our exchanges. So if there's any misappropriate funds. Of course, Fidelity, own, Fidelity owns everything. They own everything, yeah. <laughs> this is such great information. So I, there were some questions here from Eddie I want to get to. Sure. Um, he, he was uh, wondering about like volume here. Let me see if I can pull that up. Um, I saw one about like how many can yeah. you do in one year? Yeah. Eddie, Eddie asked, uh, hi, Eddie, by the way, he said, can you buy three houses on a 1031 from the sale of one house? Absolutely. There's no limit on how many upfront that you're selling. We call the ones you're selling. We call those the relinquished properties and there's no limit on how many replacement properties. The key is though, you got to fit it in those timelines. Um, me being doing it as long as I have, I know how to kind of make those numbers work and where do you want to buy more time than 45 days? We talked about that window in the beginning of this uh, podcast, you can control, especially last year and the year before it was crazy seller's market. So what do you control? You control when your property closes in a seller's market. So buy time, put a contingency on it. So you got 60 days before your official clock even starts or have a contingency until I find my replacement properties. Yeah. So a lot of times investors, you know, you're an investor that that if they want the property bad enough, they'll wait a couple of weeks. Right. Maybe. And, and that that's one way to buy more time. But there is no limit on how many up front and how many you go into. I had a client a couple of years ago, 50 uh, rental properties all across the West Coast. And he wanted to I, I'm a licensed realtor. But I hang my hat, but I don't use it. And I'm active. And he called me up and says, look, I got 50 houses I want to sell. It's like, oh, my real estate hat thing started. Okay, I can list all 50 houses for you. But he sold all 50 houses. We talked him into doing five different exchanges because what he wanted to do is he wanted to convert those single family into multifamily. So okay. we, we did we did 10 for one on each one Let's of those. Let's talk exchanges. about that in terms of volume in one exchange because I that 
why wouldn't what could he not just do all of them in one exchange or would that not be appropriate he could, um but he he was looking at wholesalers and the haircut was a little bit too close to the scalp a little bit so he, he wanted to get a little bit more money so wholesalers ended up buying his properties but he packaged them off in 10 instead of 50 and he got he got a little left on the on the bone how do we buy from your customers as well i listen <laughs> i i i i trade in my own company in my own company i'll do a thousand yep. houses a year right uh, which is not what you're doing 500 a month so we're not the same right but right. but i but as i said i've got thousands of people across the country and i have 120 franchises across the the country as well who would all like to supply you houses and buy houses from your investors yep. what would be what would be a method that how it, and and i my brain is breaking right now because i think well what about Rick, you must have friends in the business. What if we got all of you guys together and we made a 1031 Voltron where we created some kind of exchange where we put all of these properties that were appropriate for a 1031 buyer that are available right now from wholesalers with severe amounts of equity in them and allow you uh, allow the piranhas to eat? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm all for it. I've done similar things to that in the past and they worked out and I'm still doing that with some other wholesalers Curly, but you're the guy, so you got bigger portfolio. You heard today. it here first, guys. Voltron yeah. coming soon. I'll just change my shirt instead of saying IPX. I'll say Voltron 1031. I, 1031 <laughs> Voltron. I, I I love that you get the reference. Only only there's not a lot of people who get the reference, but I dated myself a little bit by by it's saying also that. the Canadian thing too. So yes, I, yeah, yeah. I have the dual citizenship too as well. That's a that's you know a dual citizenship is is fun because you really don't get harassed at the border either way, right? They're like, oh, you're American, come on in. You're a Canadian, come on in, eh? Which book even you during see? COVID? You want to see my Canadian one, you want to see my American one? Oh, during during COVID, it was it was terrible. You had to, yeah. it was it was a mess. It was a mess. Yeah, but it was really locked down during that. They time. sure were. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. So so now we have a, an idea of this uh, tracy asked can you deduct capital gains off your taxes as an expense that's a tax question tracy i don't know if rick can answer that but rick yeah uh i mean everything i say disclosure you still have to run it by your tax advisor but no you cannot deduct your capital gains off your taxes so what happens is when you sell a property escrow sends um to the irs to the government that you either have a taxable sale and this is the check they cut you or you did a 1031 exchange so they're going to be looking either for your 1031 documentation when you file your taxes or they're going to be looking for the money but the only thing you can deduct from capital gains that you don't have to pay is if you did a capital improvement to the property okay. so capital improvement of course if you're fixing and flipping and um, adding value to the property a pool or addition to the house all those things are tax deductible off the capital gains so that brings a good um point up though rick so the relationship between title and escrow uh -huh. and uh your services can you talk a little bit about the seamlessness of that and kind of how that works because i just think you know bill foley is just a brilliant man and there's Absolutely. a reason that he owns a lot of companies <laughs> He, he, he fills in all the uh, spaces that we don't have to go outside of fidelity. So, but it's, it's streamless is because IPX, we're the 800 pound gorilla. We've been in the business since the eighties. 
So where that comes into effect is that we have it very automated. I mean, I just put, before I got on this call, I just put together, uh, well, I can't say who the company is, but there's an $8 million transaction coming out of California buying here in Arizona that um, they forgot to set up the exchange, a big commercial brokerage, huge commercial brokerage that does multifamily. She, the, she sends over an email, Rick, it's three o'clock. Can you put an exchange together? We're closing in the morning. So we were able to do that today to get that one done. So you do we're very Fire drill 1031 that quickly? We can. I'm, I'm not the only guy behind it. I'm the guy that's the front guy that uh, supports and uh, puts the efforts out for IPX. But I have a great team behind me. Uh, we call my people instead of escrow officers. We call them exchange officers. So they're, do they wear badges? They do. They do. They they and they have a holster because it is Arizona, right? Oh, so badges <laughs> and a weapon. Love it. Yeah, yeah. So it, exchange officers, exchange officers have badges. They do, or they should, right? <laughs> yeah. Are there they, a limit to how many ten thirty ones one can do in a year? Um, as many houses as you have. So there is no limit if you got. 10 houses and you want to sell them all in the same month or like my guy that had 50, you can do as many as you like within the year or within the same month or day. doesn't matter. You're not limited to how many exchanges you do. It's you do have that wait period that we talked about before between you do another exchange. So you sell one, you uh, do an ex you have to hold it for at least a year before you do it, unless you get that unsolicited offer that we talked about. Um, I mean, here, here's an example. I'll give you this one. I always tell this story when I teach a class to realtors or CPAs or attorneys, and you'd be surprised. I, my, my go-to is go talk to your CPA. And nine times out of 10, they call me back and said that my CPA doesn't know enough about 1031 exchange. So I have to send him all the documents so he can read it over so he can give you that his opinion on it. But um, this guy, 22 years old, started with me about 10 years ago. And um, he had a duplex in downtown Phoenix, and he just wanted to build up his portfolio. So he, he spoke to a CPA that I taught a class to, sold that duplex, did an exchange within two years, bought two duplexes. Took those duplexes, bought four, but then he did another exchange. He bought like five commercial properties. Now he's got investments all across the United States. He's in his 30s now, and he's probably on paper worth about 15 million. And all and he, he just, did was, and he just flipped up property to property to property. One of them, I mean, every I've been involved with every one of his exchanges along the way, and that's all he did. Can you 1031 from a trust? Yeah, trust, LLC, whatever the taxpayer is, you can exchange from. Um, can you 1031 from a, a trust owned by a 501c3? For those of you that don't know what that is, it's a charity, a, a nonprofit charity. Yep, you can. Um, it would have to make sense with the nonprofit charity. It may or may not make sense, but for the most part, yes. What uh, about crypto? Crypto, well, you know, you work for you're, you're the same <laughs> Somebody's going to be asking, though, and not yeah. know the answer. Uh, crypto is, it's there, but it depends on what corporate says. But if it's a investment property, crypto doesn't matter. Um, it's, it's just a matter of the real estate. Um, and who invest the property on the, um, the property that's being sold. Now, there's disregarded entities, and that's the thing that gets people confused about, is that you might have an LLC or a partnership that owns the property on the title, but that may not be the taxpayer. You might be individually filing your own taxes. They just put that LLC on there for investors to protect your liability against anybody suing you or finding your assets. 
So if it is a disregarded entity, trust, LLC, or whatever, um, you can take it out of that trust LLC and put an individual name. So you want to buy more properties They get maybe a better interest rate because in LLCs trust sometimes there's a little bit of a bump there. What about creative? Okay. I got a lot of people that do subject to, they're taking on properties that they, that they've, they're getting subject to. For those of you that are not familiar with what that means, that means that they're taking over a property, taking title to the property, but they're not taking over the mortgage. So they're owning the property subject to the loan. Can you 1031 from a sub two to another sub two, or can you 1031 from a sub two to cash, or can you 1031 from cash to a sub two? You know, I've been giving you yeses and yeses and yeses, but that one might be a little tight because it's they're not technically the taxpayer on that one um, because they're still the taxpayers who's on the vesting of the property. So great. If they take, if they take title. Just not they the mortgage. Take title. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So they, they do in a sub two, they do take title. So it's not like an agreement for sale where they're not taking title. This is this is where they're taking title, but the mortgage okay. is staying in the original mortgager's na uh, name. But okay. do they put do they pay taxes on anything? It, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that they had to pay taxes per yeah. se. It just means that they're on title that they are the taxpayer. So do you have do you have an affiliate program? What's in for what, what do you mean? For me to refer you business. For me to refer We can talk offline on stuff. So, yeah. we, we just, the people that are here online, we just met today on this side yeah. of it. So, we, we, we'll we work out some of those kinks. You're in Phoenix, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's okay, wonderful. We got to go have lunch. I'm, I so, am. For, yeah. So for those I, of you guys that are watching this and freaking mind blown, I want to share Rick's contact info so that you guys can reach him. Put in the subject title talk so that he knows where you mm -hmm. found him. And Rick, what's the best way for them to connect with you? Uh, probably my mobile number. So 602-793-1558. Uh, your phone sent, might start blowing up. My phone's right here. Yeah. <laughs> send Rick a text right now with your name and, and your with your full name. Let's 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 show him let's show him how much we let's show Rick some love. We love this. Look, um, Natasha, please put that that phone number in the chat. There you go. Thank you so much. There it is, guys. If you didn't catch it, that's the phone number. Um, we we uh, we definitely have been learning a lot from Rick today, and I think if you have the opportunity to do business with this man, uh, it would behoove you to do that. Now, um, I had this crazy idea just now, uh, Dina, when you said, you know, Fidelity owns IPX. This is why Fidelity <laughs> needs to buy my company, Keeg Lee, because we can just feed all of the IPX clients properties from company to company to company and, every, and Fidelity owns it all. That's true. I, I'm just saying. Well, I really I'm hope Bill's saying. watching right now. I hope, Bill, if you're watching this right now, call me. Bill Foley, it's, you know... The Golden Knights have not, you know, completely dominated yet this season. So you got to have time to watch Title Talk. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Coming off the Stanley Cup, rock stars. And, and that's also a fidelity. Uh, fidelity no, that's owned. that's not. That's not that's a fidelity okay. thing. It's but a Bill Folio. It's a Bill thing. Yeah. Oh, Bill owns the Vegas Knights. Bill owns the Knights, yeah. He doesn't wow. own anything and doesn't turn into gold. Let's just put it that way. I mean, yeah. as soon as he took over, they win the cup, right? It was a pretty it was pretty it was pretty close. Well, his, you know, what was interesting was he said, we'll go to the finals within like the first three years and we'll win the cup within the first, I think, six. Yep. And his prediction came true, like when he formed the team. So I think that was pretty spectacular. You know, they went to the finals year one and they won. They just won. So 
And if you ever been in one of their games, it's 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 their intro. Unbelievable. It's very exciting. It's Vegas. It's Vegas. It's style. so Vegas. <laughs> we all need to go to a game together. Hundred yeah. percent. We got to go to a game together. Um, Wayne, yes, this is, is it is recorded. It's going to stay forever on my YouTube. I'm going to chop this up into a whole bunch of reels uh, for my Instagram and for shorts as well because I think this was probably one of the most like information packed episodes that we've done again you saw how many people here are unfamiliar with this but we all need to be familiar with this we need to be why do we need to be familiar with this as wholesalers guys because these are these are ready willing and 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 almost desperate buyers at some point these guys need to pull the trigger and close a deal all right they're also trying to disposition some of their properties and again because these are investors they may not be interested in remodeling the property and forcing more appreciation and going through that brain damage, which for you know, as wholesalers, that's what we're looking for. I'm looking for things in original condition or needing a little bit of work. And so there is absolutely a synergy between wholesalers and users of a 1031 exchange. In fact, if you have not been mining 1031 buyers it's probably because you had no idea what it was about and today that changed today that changed you actually have not only knowledge but how to how to create this now would when you're when you're dealing with these uh, 1031 uh, potential buyers right if they they've got to they've got to take a deal um what would you say is the primary source of their deals right now before i come into the picture because i'm going to change it <sighs> They just work with their local realtor. Basically, that's that's their that's their source. Um, I mean, of course, there's other things that I introduce them to, but uh, for the most part, it's it's that's the biggest thing on 1031 exchange is they need to find that replacement property. And if we have more um, opportunities for them, we're going to have more successful exchanges. I mean, and, and you know, just so you know. I know you got a lot of information today, but there is more than just the normal forward exchange that's available. There's reverse exchanges, there's improvement exchanges, there's tons and tons of other stuff. Tell us more. Tell us more, Rick. Yeah, what are these, I, what I, are have an, I have investors that they just, all they do is they, um, they sell their property. They do what they call an improvement exchange. So if you want to do a fix and flip and use your tax-free money to fix it up, and improvement exchange is the way to go. You set up a, you sell your property, the exchange funds go into an exchange account, you find a replacement fixing uh, property that needs to be fixed up, but you bought it for three, but your exchange was five. You take that extra 200,000, uh, we hold those funds and give you up to six months to do all your improvements on it. And those are tax-free cash from your, um, your first sale that you can use for improvement exchange. Do you guys pay interest on the funds you hold? Yeah. We do. Don't get too excited, though, because our accounts are very uncommon. Um, they have to be very liquid so that if I get you call me up, hey, I need my money for Earth on Friday for this escrow or I'm closing on this day. Um, we have to have uh, very labor intense accounts. So what you would get is very similar to what a checking and savings account is, um, which is creeped up a little bit. I mean, a couple of years ago, you're getting nothing. Now you're getting maybe one, two percent um, while the money's sitting there. So it, it, you get a little nugget there. Love it. Uh, Galen asked another question. Additional questioning regarding my first one. If I have, so if I convert my rental into a primary in order to avoid capital gains, 
Do I need to stay in it for an additional two years from the moment of the conversion? Great question. That is a good, so great smart. question. Yeah. Um, you have to be to qualify for the 1030 or sorry, for the 121 tax code, the primary residence exclusion, two out of the five years. So um, two is the minimum. You could sell it at that point um, and not have any issues. But the longer you stay in it, less red flags may come up on that side. But the rule writ writes that two years is all you have to stay in the property um, as your primary residence. Why don't you take this one, Dina? What is the best way to go about it? The next property is actually of lesser value. Are you saying that it's not possible to do a 1031 on it? You know, I did not say that one. Um, you can actually do what we said as a partial exchange. So we'll go back to that $500,000 uh, relinquished sale price minus commissions and closing costs. Now your net sales price, not maybe your net proceeds, but your net sales price is four eighty. You buy a property for 400000 That's all you could find. That's what you love. That's what you want to buy into. So now you got 80000 left over. Well, what happens to that? And this is going to blow your mind because that 80000 is what they call in the tax code boot. B-O-O-T. Like pirate booty? Exactly. Pirate <laughs> you know, it is from like, you know, we got our independence and uh, they kept some of the tax code terms from the English. So boot is an old English term. And all right. essentially it means is it's non-like kind um, uh, equity or non-like cash or personal property or whatever. So in that case, that 80,000 would be boot and you're subject to capital gains tax on the 80, but the, the rest of the 400,000 is part of the deferment on the exchange. Got it. So anything that's additionally left over is what you pay taxes on, and the other is what you get the exemption on. Right. And I got clients that want to pull the money out, so they don't want to put it all in the next property. They want to pull out 80 grand. So they'll pull it out knowing that they have to pay capital gains tax on that 80, but the majority of it's going to be deferred. Oh, so that's a strategy on how you can liquidate a-, a You can pull a little bit out of the time. Yeah. Goodness. Dude, I'm feeling like we need a whole other thing on like deep diving with Rick. Anybody else agree <laughs> on that one? Uh, put, a, deep put a D, put a D in the chat if you think we need a deeper dive with Rick in the future. I, I'm, guys. I'm, I would, all, I think we need to bring you back on here again, Rick. Yeah, because there's just, there's so much that we're we're like learning here. Um, is there any special paperwork, or is there? a disclosure I need to put into a contract to let you people have to disclose it. Yeah. Okay. You do have to disclose you do an attempt 31 exchange. Um, and when you do that, it just has to be done before close of escrow. So it can be done at the signing table or it can be done on the MLS or somewhere in between. Um, and that's it. Uh, the paperwork, uh, we handle all the paperwork on it. Um, all I need to have to set up the exchange is the contract. Um, who you're using for the closing and the contact information for the exchanger. And, and then we make it super easy on that part too, because when you guys are opening escrow at Fidelity, like you tell your escrow yeah. officer, this is at 1031, there's a seamless integration with Rick and his department, right? So Absolutely. you don't even have to do extra steps. Like we just make it all happen for you. It, it goes on autopilot. With, yeah. Cause yep. our, my people work with your people all the time. Amazing. Um, have you been getting any texts, Rick? Oh, let's see. I have. There you go. Look at look at that. I don't know if you yeah. can zoom in and it's a little it's a, it's a little bright, oh, but yeah. I was talking to somebody. I better stop. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. All right, I got a I got a future question for you, Rick. Yeah, sure. What about like what do you see coming down the pike? Like any like 
developments, changes in the regulations, anything that uh, you're foreseeing in the future? Well, what I foresee in the future is that we're going to get taxed more. Um, so 1031 exchange, if you look into it, um, it's been in the tax code for over 100 years. And, and, and that's where a lot of people don't know about it. But every single time that you get um, Washington gets involved and they need to scramble up some more tax money, 1031 exchange is on the chopping block, but it hasn't been successful. Um, we're pretty confident on both sides of the aisle because we've been doing a lot of uh, education to Washington on the benefits of it. So they, they see it the same way as like, oh, um, get rid of 1031 exchange so we can start making all this capital gains tax. Yeah. So then you disincentivize the investors from doing them. And exactly. then now we have housing problems. So you can't. It, it, I mean, exactly. We, we still need to put Americans somewhere to live. So, right. no, you can't do that. Why would you disincentivize me from being in the business of rentals? Exactly. So that numbers we've given to Washington on both sides of the aisle. And for the most part, they got it. Um, so but you never know. It could still come up again. And then that's where I'll be calling on you guys to support to write your local congressman or your local supportive. So but um, for the most part, we're good to go there. What I have heard when we're sitting there educating Washington is that capital gains tax is going to go up. If you don't know what capital gains tax is right now, it's a percentage either from 15 to 20 percent, depending on what your income is. And then there's a state capital gains tax. Wait, so, for real estate specific or all investments? Capital gains tax, period. Long so, and short term? Yeah. If you went to the Bear Jackson and you had a thousand, well, no, short term is even higher. Uh, I'm talking about long term. So if you went to Bear Jackson and you sold a car that you bought for 1500 bucks back in the 60s and sold it for a million dollars, that's capital gains tax. Um, unfortunately, you're gonna have to pay it because you don't do 1031 exchange on personal property more. They reformed it in 2017, but everything else counts um, that you can do a 1031 exchange and defer it. Can I 1031 a business? They, again, that's the part that they took out of the tax equation in 2017. Personal property is no longer um, exchangeable, only the real property. But there's uh, what they consider real property is those land commercial residential but the other things that they don't tell you is that i do billboards exchanges i've done satellite mm. um, cell phone tower uh, exchanges i've done gold mine claims ex uh, exchanges oil and mineral rights as long as they own the land what? yeah if they own the land like i just did one a few months ago guy had three cell phone towers on his property out there in minnesota and he sold them for Pretty good money to one of those national cell phone providers that managed them and um he took it sold it and bought a single family for um, a couple of his grandkids so like kind you would never think you could sell a cell phone tower and buy a single family and the only reason it qualified is he had he owned the easement that the cell phone tower sat on so that's where that that uh, part comes in billboards um they as long as you own the land or the easement or it's a thoroughly what if what if it's a business and you own the real estate the business operates in well that's the thing so like we do a lot of gas stations i'm doing a chick-fil-a right now um some of those businesses it's just a matter of sitting down with your tax advisor and seeing what the value of the business is versus the real estate and where you, you can make those numbers work on that side of having that conversation with your tax advisor but the actual brand like the chick-fil-a 
Um, that was an $8 million transaction. Um, and I think that they were able to do a 1031 exchange on the 7 million portion. So for the most part, you can get most of it is, is the value of the land. Wow. Uh, Galen's still uh, trying to figure out how to move into his rental. He wants to know, <laughs> do I need proof that I'm living in the property or can I just claim the address on my taxes? I don't want to switch AZ for Wisconsin weather. It's not worth $100,000. <laughs> um, here's the thing. Um, they only, the IRS knows what you tell them. So, and they have this little formula that if you claim this property as your primary residence, they're going to look in to see if you live there and whatever they decide to do on that side of it. So I can really tell you what they're going to look at, but what you do is on your side of that or what your tax advisor says, they don't go knocking on your door to see what's going on there. But if it makes sense when you're filing your taxes, it makes sense. And the less red flags, the better. Because the only time that they will figure out anything is if they pull an audit on you. So you want to make sure that your intent is what we've been talking about here today. Um, you couldn't do a 1031 on like a leveraged buyout on a business, could you? Possibly, if it depends again on how much of that buyout is the real estate. I think that's what this question was like yeah. just selling out, you know, you get in for those of you that don't know what I just said, uh, that's when you buy a company and you essentially buy a company with its own money and then you tear the company apart from the inside out, sell off the pieces and keep what's left. Right. So the real estate portion of it, you can, but the personal side, no. Wow. But that, the other thing is that, and I don't want to throw you off again, but 30 year lease terms is considered like kind. So you can buy properties on a 30 year lease and then consider that as that you can do a 1031 exchange. Like here in Scottsdale, we got off the 101. There's a big chunk of real estate that is native Indian land that's on a, on a hundred year lease. So those ones qualify to do 1031 exchange, even though they don't own the land, they just own the lease. Wow. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. I have some investors, that's what they do, is they buy and they buy on lease and they buy on contract, and then they can exchange from that too as well. Is there a way to 1031 in the great white north? Uh, there, no. <laughs> Short answer is no. <laughs> But, this is first no the whole episode really yeah. like that's a hard no that was the first one yeah that's a no but they qualify so a canadian or foreign investor qualifies to do a 1031 exchange oh. as long as they have a social security number file taxes or an itin number um, right. then they would qualify and they can avoid FERPTA too as well that 15 percent withholding by doing an exchange oh really mm-hmm that I've been involved in a in a in a transaction where the they actually had to withhold that money, and for those of you that don't well, know, they what will withhold it. But but if you do, there's a couple ways to avoid the FERP the withholdings. Is that you can do a simultaneous close, so where you sell one buy one at the same time frame, and then the other one is if they're going to hold, they're going to take the fifteen percent. We'll say on hundred thousand, they take fifteen grand. If you have fifteen grand in the bank put it into the exchange so it's tax deferred, then they'll give you back that 15% down the road because you deferred it in the 1031 exchange. So there's a few ways to get around that. Wow. That's amazing. Okay, Rick, what, if you had like three pieces of advice for investors, like what would that be given uh, our audience today? Do their homework up front. <laughs> so if you're thinking about selling a property um, and it may be six months down the road or a year down the road, 
contacts, let me like me, contact you guys, contact all the experts so that you have a good um, game plan before you do it. Because I get a lot of blow up exchanges at the last minute. And most of them, I'll tell you what it is, is partnerships. So you might have bought a property with a partnership and that taxpayer is the partnership. And, you know, just like anything, that partnership wants to go their separate ways. But at the last minute, we can't revest it and change it. It's it is what it is. And if you're closing tomorrow and it was a partnership, but one partner wants to take cash out and the other one wants to do an exchange, we can't do the exchange if they both partners would have to agree. So if you have that information up front, you could find out that you could change it very simply. Just going through title, quit claiming it to individuals or tenants in common. And then now you have two entities within an entity and you can do both go your separate ways. Wow. But knowledge so, is power. Just so, you can, so, front. so basically you can do a 1031 even in a breakup. Even in a breakup. Yeah. I do a lot of divorce ones, unfortunately, too. So if it's disclosed in the divorce decree that this is what the split is, then we can do an exchange that way, too. Uh, I think we know the answer to this one. Um, does, property doesn't need to be owned outright, correct? No, no. You, 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 you can have debt on the property. Amazing. Uh, I think, Dina, we need to ask Dude, him the I question. I think we need to have. do the fun. I need, we, we need to, like, put Rick on the spot right now. Let's go. Who, wants, got, to, who wants hot seat? Who wants a hot Let's seat? Go. He's been such a smooth, <laughs> you know, situation so far. Okay, Rick, what was the last thing you Googled? What's the last thing I Googled? You can, I Googled you, you can look at your phone for this. No, I, I know the answer. I, that, that last minute deal, I Googled the realtor on that one, the commercial broker. I wanted to see who it was that put that together at the last minute. Oh, yeah. all right. All right. He's coming out of California. So I, I Googled him because, you know, he's a last minute guy. I think, I think he knows about 1031 exchanges, but I'm going to put him in my CRM so he gets my monthly newsletter. So that he's aware next time, not to let me run around at the last minute. <laughs> and you know what? Your newsletter is super informative, Rick. Yeah. So guys, if you guys want to subscribe to Rick's newsletter, he's always putting out tons of education. Um, can you give out your email address so that they can contact you to subscribe to your newsletter? Yeah. Um, it's my email. It's just my first and last name, Rick.Wittstock, W-I-T-T-S-T-O-C-K, at IPX, IPX, oop, that way, 1031.com. Just shoot me an email and uh, with your, your your contact information, I can set that uh, newsletter up to you. I only send it out once a month and it's all related on 1031 exchange stuff. And there's tons of great advice in that. Okay, what about this? What's something, we're gonna go personal here. What's uh, something that most people think is super ordinary and they've done, but like you've never done it. So for example, I've never eaten a hamburger. That's like a normal thing. Mm -hmm. Not for me. I still can't believe that shit. But... <laughs> I've, never, I've never tried that ice cream. What's it? The, the icy ice cream that the Italians call it? A gelato? Gelato. I've never had a gelato. Oh, you guys, if you, you are loving Title Talk, send Rick some gelato. <laughs> on I, some. Uh... I, there's a great gelato place probably from my home that's maybe two miles away. I, I just, I mean... I want to try it, but I'm not a big sweet guy. I'm more of a, you know. Savory, powder. salty. Yeah, salty is my thing. So maybe that's why. There's an the opportunity I just never have. But it's always and popular. It's like a lineup going out the door. So it's, it sounds like it's popular. 
And what are you reading right now? Uh, I'm reading the email on the screen right here. <laughs> no, but like any books, anything in your... Uh... No, um, I don't. I've, I, this sounds bad, but I, I, I switch to audiobooks now. So um, a lot of things Audibles I'm reading now... Yeah, I, I switch to that. I try to put on different podcasts every now and then. I'm just like you guys. I'm always looking to see what the trend is in, in real estate on all sides of things uh, because I deal with everybody So um, when it comes to investment. So I'm always looking and learning that way too. All right. Now, what's the most memorable deal you've ever done? Like, give us a horror story because Halloween is right around the corner. So something a spooky, horror story? a horror story, something memorable, maybe kept you up at night. Well, there was a deal a few years ago. It was, um, and this one was a big deal that uh, I, it was a brother and sister that inherited a $50 million ranch. And they called me a week before close of escrow and said, can we set up an exchange? So having conference calls back and forth with all the attorneys that get involved in these larger transactions, uh, we got down to the wire. And what we ended up doing is, or had to do is we had to change it from uh, partnership that owned the property into separate individuals. So uh, the, the sister or the, um, wanted to do an exchange on her 25 million. The brother did not want to do it, so but he was open to revesting the property into sep two separate entities. And where things went crazy, I was banking on this deal going together. He, um, he, we didn't have enough time, so went to escrow, went to title. It wasn't with Fidelity; it was with another company. And boo, they, you know, boo, 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 and that's they, why I probably went sideways. Yeah. So on Wednesday, <laughs> closing on Friday, they needed another couple days to change or revest the title. So Monday or Tuesday. So we had to get an extension. Everybody agreed except for the brother. Oh, what a dude. Yeah, what a guy. He's like, um, I'm all willing to do everything he says, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to go outside closing on Friday. So I think he had a side deal with somebody that he had to pay a lot of money on Friday or something, but yeah, he blew it for everybody. So everybody put all these man hours in. He That's did terrible. not want to get an extent. Even the buyers were okay with extending it to Monday or Tuesday. He, he, he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't budge. So closed on Friday, they all had to pay their taxes. Oh, what a guy. Yeah. Sucks. So the horror story is that I was banked on that deal already happening and it, it, it didn't happen. And do you make more money on a bigger deal like that versus yeah. a small one? Okay. Yeah. Um, so the fee increases based off of the size of the transaction. It's yeah. So not by much. I mean, most transactions, a million or less, it's only a thousand fifty to do an exchange. Um, really? Yeah. It's not that over the top pricing. No, it gets up to the $50 million range. It gets into the five or $6,000 range, but that's, yeah. Nothing. That's nothing compared to the it's taxes that you'd be it's paying. Are you freaking kidding yeah. me? Yeah. Yeah. This has been so special. Guys, share really? this with your friends. Give Please. us uh, love. Uh, if you're going to be listening to this on the podcast when that goes live in a few minutes, instead of on social, give us a five-star review because Rick has been amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Five stars. We'll definitely bring you back here, Rick. You were uh, absolutely a joy to interview, to talk to. I learned a lot. Uh, I'm, you know, the, the dogs learned a lot. The, uh, the cat learned a lot. The dogs uh, still works. So that's good. Yeah, he's like, he wants to do a 1031 right now. He's like, what's up? Can I 1031 her? 
you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, incredible. Uh, really, really appreciate you, Rick. Uh, well, and to everybody who's tuned in again, thank you guys for, for tuning in to Title Talk. Again, like Dina asked, leave us a five-star review. Please like and share. And share this one with your friends because this probably was one of the best episodes we've ever done. There were so many nuggets. Rick, you and I need to have lunch. Hey, I've got to figure out time. how we can tell you uh, how I can help you uh, just always have properties available for your buyers. So there's going to be uh, a great opportunity there. Take care, everybody. We'll see All you right. in the next Thanks, one. Guys. Thanks see for having me. See you in two weeks. <laughs> Thank you, Rick.